Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, we've got a fabulous guest. Her name is Sarah Sanchez Copley. So welcome, Sarah. Hello, so nice to be here. It's really good to meet you as well, Sarah. Now, Sarah is a mental health and well-being consultant. And I just thought it'd be great to have somebody like Sarah on the podcast today because she's very skilled in the art of um, meditation and um, specifically around the well-being and health side of relationships. And what we thought we'd discuss today is the unrealistic expectations in relationships. So Sarah, um, what's been your either personal experience of this or experiences regards what clients bring to you around this subject? Hi. Yeah, I think there's been um, several, several different things. I mean, for me personally, I suppose everybody has unrealistic expectations. I've been, I'm 45 and I've been with my husband since I was 21. So I think, you know, we've had kids and jobs and lives and moved continents and, you know, we have, we've, we've weathered all kinds of storms and problems. And I think, what we've learned is that <laughs> keep expectations low. <laughs> yes. If that, 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 you know, don't expect of somebody else what you can't provide yourself. Um, so I think that that's, that's a really interesting take to have on it. And professionally, I mean, especially at the moment, maybe mentioning, you know, the fact that COVID-19 has left us most of the world sort of at home with spouses. Maybe we don't, know as well as we think we know and we may have been asking ourselves for time together for a long time you know we've so busy oh if we weren't so busy we could enjoy this meal together or this movie or this walk in the park and now kind of that we are together the expectation is that we're going to be like absolutely thrilled and happy with each other all the time and meeting each other's needs and you know I think that what I've heard is just that that's not in most cases what's actually happening at the moment yeah the reality is really quite different to the fantasy or the expectations in our head isn't it well it is because most of the time you know and i'm in england but my clients are all over the world it's most of the time two people are working and you kind of have your roles that are set you know we bring roles into a relationship so we sort of whatever our our parents were whether we had one parent or two parents or grandparents or whoever raised us we kind of have these roles built into us what we think works what we think is a good relationship and a good marriage and then we kind of develop over our teenage years we start having relationships we start finding boundaries what we like what we don't like and then into our 20s and 30s, sometimes we get into more longer term relationships and, and marriages. And I think, you know, what we're finding is that throughout the world, you know, the divorce rate is almost 
you know, England's about 43%, Portugal 67%, Spain's 50 plus, America's 50 plus percent of long-term relationships and, and marriages that are, that are ending in divorce. And one of the major things people are saying is, you know, unmet needs, frustration, you don't know each other, lack, lack of con connectivity and, and um, lack of romance. So I think the, all of those things come into play, particularly right now, when we're thinking about what are best practices for relationships dur during lockdown. You know, we should ideally, as partners in relationships, be the best mate, if you like, be your best helper in these situations. But what we're finding is that two very stressed out people, so you can have problems with health, you know, you're worried you're gonna be ill, your economy, your job, your children. So you now have your children on top of your full-time job. You have your children all day, mm. meals, cooking, cleaning, being stuck in the house. And you're realizing that you're actually quite annoyed most of the time and irritated and your natural routine has been thrown off. So I think, you know, when those buffers of work and other activities are taken away and you are just with your spouse or partner, what happens to a romantic relationship in that situation is that it does, it, it fizzles, it, it, it fizzles and we, we get afraid, I suppose, you know. I agree. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very sad, really, but, you know, um, I suppose some some degree there will be a, maybe a minority that are thriving during this <laughs> period of lockdown yeah. and we'll probably be seeing lots of babies in nine months time because well, that's true i looked before i came on and funnily enough you know they usually do these statistics sort of around christmas or january and it's the time when divorce rates always spike after christmas but what they have found is that they well what they are predicting is definitely there's been a fertility spike during this and for some you know new relationships there's been a lot of new relationships that have popped up mm. during during lockdown but the the ones like of course it makes sense the ones the marriages the relationships that were kind of in a bit of trouble before lockdown yes. in in general it hasn't it hasn't helped no i think it gets that's, amplified that's, doesn't it i think if you've got yeah you know, something that's not working in the relationship, it, it gets magnified um, more so, yeah. doesn't it? In, in times of even greater stress, such as mm. being in a situation, like you said, where we're locked down now for 24 hours in each other's care and, and maybe have, like you say, this idealistic notion that maybe, you know, it will be for our good and greater, <laughs> better selves and, and our relationships, but quite often it, the opposite happens. It is, yeah, quite opposite, the opposite, quite often the opposite happens too. When, you know, speaking about expectations in relationships, oftentimes, you know, the expectation when you get married, I suppose, is, I mean, within reason, most of us understand that there's a honeymoon period. You know, statistically, married people are happier than unmarried or people that are not in long supportive long-term relationships but then people with young children under five are unhappier <laughs> even though they're married so i mean the statistics that play along with these things i mean vary for socioeconomic groups and cultural groups and all kinds of things but i just mean in is a general 
as a general you know picture i suppose the interesting thing is you know having the right kind of expectations because what evidence has actually shown us is that in the absence of expectations we're not even trying so if we're not expected to you know show up be nice be supportive come home from work or come home you know meet each other somewhere these sort of expectations these boundaries that are set in relationships if they're not set we do tend to absolutely settle for just whatever happens in the day <laughs> if if that makes sense yeah but, but the opposite of setting kind of the right kind for lack of a better word of of expectations is we set you know absolutely unrealistic ones like this holiday we wait for so you know you wait for two weeks to go to Mallorca and it's going to be you're absolutely going to be completely relaxed you're going to sleep well you're going to eat better you're going to exercise you're going to you know have much more you know time to be intimate with your partner and <laughs> you talk about all these things you haven't talked about and what we find is that just doesn't happen you tend to go on holiday and I have much more, many more clients reporting cases of panic attacks on holiday, you know, all, you know, stress, they sleep worse. <laughs> you know, they find that they have much more sort of physical symptoms, stomach aches, headaches, and then they have the pressure of it's not working out. The holiday isn't what I expected. And I've waited for this all year. So I think <laughs> you can kind of make this parallel with the marriage, you know, I mean, it's like, you're going to get married and everything's going to be perfect. He's going to, or she's going to make you happy. He's going to make all these sort of insecurities you had and these, you know, feelings of, of low self-worth and everything. You're going to be married to this wonderful person and those feelings are going to disappear. That's just not what happens. You tend to have a year or 18 months plateau where things kind of become great and then they plateau at 18 months and the issues and problems you had before you were married whether regardless of whether they are the perfect partner for you or not the problems that you carry sort of within you with the relationship with yourself is still there and as far as holidays go there is so much pressure on the holiday like you can put on a marriage for things to be well we have these kids and we have this house and we have these jobs why am i not happy mm -hmm. because the pressure is to be happy as opposed to just be present if, if you like that analogy if it's not too sort of off the wall but you know on holiday my you know very recently client said to me i'm in the most beautiful part of the world i've paid like six grand to be here and you know we've we've had to move hell and high water to get here and she's like i literally have had one panic attack after the other and haven't slept and the explanation would be well your body has now released some tension so your shoulders have dropped your jaw has loosened your stomach has loosened and you're getting this flood of emotion because your body will hold your body will keep a record of everything that goes on in your mind mm -hmm. so i said to her if you can just ride this wave and be nice to yourself and explain to your partner that you know don't blame him well if you had of i had to do all the packing and i had to do all the shopping to get here and it was so difficult and you forgot your mask if you can avoid that and just be with what's present in the moment of being there which is panic and maybe understanding how your brain works about these things you can have a realistic expectation of okay so we have two weeks maybe the first two or three days we're going to be just sort of decompressing but without kind of the knowledge and the acceptance of that the realistic expectation of this holiday it's it can absolutely turn into a catastrophe or a divorce <laughs> 
if if you can understand yeah um, definitely yeah. i feel that um quite often don't we we um sometimes when we have a, a break or a holiday or a weekend coming up um we can often you know put ourselves under great like you say great deal of stress beforehand and, and all that stress has to come out at some point and it usually comes out at the point where we do have that moment where we can relax and let things go and it would you know it will be probably at a time when you know um you you you've got that holiday and that, that weekend off and um mm. and you know it's almost like your body to. knows yeah. your body knows this is a space where, where it can happen and what we tend to have happen in those situations is people we're not taught we don't teach our children or we're not taught to be with things that are uncomfortable so being panicky or being anxious or being angry we're taught that you need to get past it or push it away as fast as possible so if you're on holiday you have a fight or one of you goes off for a walk or one of you goes to the pub and stays there for four hours or whatever whatever it is mm -hmm. but all of these things are just sort of prolonging prolonging the inevitable so a lot of what i do with people is is building a relationship with themselves so they sort of and they, they understand themselves you know what i say to people and what was said to me years ago when i was doing my masters was and i was very interested and i was living in asia at the time and i was very interested in this kind of meditative experience and what it could bring to my life and my clients lives and you know but i was skeptical i call myself the you know the reluctant meditator and <laughs> He, like he said to me, yeah, yeah. Well, he said to me, right, imagine, you know, everything going well and you pass away in your 80s. He said, imagine going on, you know, somebody says to you, you're going on a trip. There's going to be very, there's going to be hardships, suffer, suffering, difficulties. You know, there's going to be all, there's going to be happiness, there's going to be joy, there's going to be all these things in this journey you're taking with this person. But you need to know how they struggle how they achieve what their values are what they're what they bring to the party if you like like what are their strengths what can you be guaranteed when there's a problem this person can show up and do x y and z or how do you need to best support this person to be their most authentic their most happy self and you know you would want to know all those things if you were going to go through a journey with somebody until your last day yes. <laughs> but most of us don't know almost we know very very little about our authentic inner environment what what are our habit, habits what are our patterns what actually makes us happy you know what actually is it what we were told makes us happy is it that you study you get a good job you buy a nice house you meet a nice person you have two nice kids and you have a good pension plan <laughs> for most yeah. people for most people of course they're all very important things you know all of those having somebody to share your life with if you want children having that have being able to look after yourselves but even money you know they've you know research has absolutely shown that as soon as you reach a certain amount i think in dollars it works out at about seventy thousand dollars a year you're on the on a universal sort of happiness index your happiness does not go up any higher so past 70,000, so if you have a nice house, you can afford healthcare, you can afford a holiday, you have a nice car, you know, you can buy yourself nice things, look after your family. You're not a millionaire by any means, but you're absolutely meeting above your, your hierarchy of needs, your basic needs. 
you're you're not going to be much happier if you make 120,000 or 140,000. You're just going to buy more stuff and stuff as we all know doesn't actually make you happy. No, it just it brings with it its own different challenges, doesn't it? Well, you just need more stuff. <laughs> You know, like I had the Mercedes, that was really nice, but now I have a new one. So I better go for that next job because then I get that one. But you're actually no happier. You know, when you go to bed at night and lie in bed, you're not thinking, oh, it, what makes us happier is, it, it, you know, the, one of the major, major things and one of the major mental health problems we're having is that what makes us happy is social connection. Mm. What makes us happy is hanging out with people, having a coffee. Having, you know, it's why in, in some countries where they have better, a different climate, say, than this, than sort of the England, Ireland, sort of Scandinavian part of the world, is that there is much more of like a cafe culture. You leave your house, you go down, you have a coffee, you go back home, you do some work or go to the office. But in the afternoon, you meet somebody, a couple of other people and have a chat. It is these social connections and Instagram doesn't count. Facebook doesn't count. It's, you know, actually looking at somebody in their face, reading their body language you know, have having an actual physical social interaction is, is what we're all really missing. So when we're missing all of those things, we then come home to the partner and all of our eggs are in that basket. This person I come home to or come home to me, you know, better be my best friend, my friend, my tennis partner, my financial advisor, my counselor, my, and it's just unrealistic. Yeah, I think especially, um, you know, we, we tend to think as well, you know, both sexes are, are very different, you know, generally men think, behave and, you know, react very different to women. And, you know, it's, it's embracing those differences and knowing that your, your man isn't going to necessarily react or interact with you um the same as probably a girlfriend would you know in a, in a social situation that you might be wanting to engage him in so you know don't like you say put all your eggs in his basket and and make him responsible for your only connection that you're having with another human being yeah it's also about you know i think what makes people happy is what makes people happy regardless of whether they're sort of men or 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 women you know the happiness index as we talk about is is we don't we do look at men and women but overall we just look at people so yes. i think yeah so i think what makes people happiest are sort of being what we found is being grateful having something they like to do social connections feeling valued feeling cared for feeling understood and, and both men and women need all those things we tend to do it differently and that's probably just because of family roles or cultures or just because that's that's how it's been for so long but i, I think it is a really interesting thing to to sort of if you can start to notice in your relationship maybe that you are sometimes for, for what i say to people is what you know as a couple what what is your biggest strength you know so instead of saying to people right this is all the areas you're you're not good at because if you're already not feeling good around each other mm -hmm. and in your relationship sort of going to see somebody and have them yeah be like yeah yeah well i'd add a few more on is just not not helpful so right. I, I tend to try to identify with people sort of as an individual and then as a couple kind of what what are their strengths and how can they go forward that way because 
being very critical of each other when you're already feeling kind of under fire mm. i mean it just does no good one of the big things i've talked to two or three people about this week was you know she said she said to me well he comes home from work and you know my stomach's in a knot because i know it's going to be just an argument it's going to be like well did you do this because you said you do this and i said i'd do that and where you know i i've done mine why didn't you do yours like you know mm. and all these kind of backwards and forwards battle but what i explain to people is that the, the stomach ache you're having is your is, is an automatic reaction you feel to threat yes you know it's your fight fight freeze response your stomach's tightening you're priming for an argument you're priming <laughs> for this so it, it's no wonder that this relationship the intimacy is gone because you can't be intimate with somebody you're threatened by you can't be you know vulnerable which we all have to be in relationships and courageous and honest and show compassion when you feel threatened by somebody very true so it may not even it may not even be that you see it as threat so oftentimes when i say that i say well this is the, this is a threatening your body is reacting this way you know she will be defensive no 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 he's my husband he would never hurt me and i'm saying no i'm not saying that he's doing anything physical to you i said but your personal reaction to him is one of threat so he's then devastated thinking god i really didn't want my wife to feel like this but you're just starting to open a conversation of how do you best communicate because <laughs> what is happening you know really 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 isn't working and getting to grips i suppose with having uncomfortable conversations we don't want to hurt each other you don't want to make a situation worse like you know we already aren't getting along and he sleeps on the sofa three nights a week and now i'm gonna say yeah well when i see you i get a stomachache <laughs> you know? yeah it's very difficult but there there's no doubt about it that this situation of lockdown has made exacerbated all of those things but it's also forced some people into having uncomfortable conversations that they've come out the other side of and quite often you know we build up don't we in our heads you know these uncomfortable conversations to probably be more of a threat to us than what they actually end up being you know if we, if yeah. we do catch each other at a time where we can say look let's let's have a conversation about you know how we can um improve our relationship or whatever uh, and if yeah. it, you're not ready for that now let, let's make a time for when you are ready for it and approach it that way quite yeah. often you know if you ease yourself into some you know a conversation like that it, it, all the horrible scenarios that you've built in your mind as to how it's going to play out usually don't materialize do they no they usually don't you or the things become very clear and some relationships aren't supposed to last forever you know yes. that that that's also true but i think you know there is just this idea of because it's scary to be especially when you've been with somebody you know years and years and years and you turn around and say well you know i've got some clients i work with who say well our children have now left home and um, I feel very lost. I don't know who I am as the mom. He is still sort of maybe busy in work. I'm now going back to work or I'm going from part-time work to full-time work, or you've both been in full-time work and now your lives are just the children connected you. So you would come home because the kids were home and what are the kids doing and when are they coming home and what do they need? But now the kids are no longer there. You're both coming back and you're like roommates in yeah. this house. <laughs> 
So I think, you know, communication and realistic expectations are, and you know, you are going to change if you're going to be with somebody for years and years and years and years. Change, changing is inevitable. So maybe, you know, not being curious, I suppose, about your partner and their personality and their changes and where you fit in is, is there maybe a better way to look at things? You know, and mindfulness does a lot of that. It does a lot of just being curious and kind of watching and then deciding. So instead of, you know, being judgmental and saying, oh my God, so great. Now you're going to become a tennis pro and buy all this stuff. <laughs> you know, you've, you, you're taking it on as, well, it's to get away from me or why does he want to get fit all of a sudden or whatever it is, or she's whatever joined, you know, kickboxing, whatever it is, you know, having an, having a, a, a curiosity about this, this person, you know, nobody likes to be judged. We judge ourselves incessantly in our own heads but we also judge our relationships extremely, extremely harshly. And I think, especially at the moment, err on the side of, err on the side of being a bit kinder, you know, about yourself and your relationship. It's, it's very difficult at the moment. You know, a lot of people are furloughed. A lot of people have lost their jobs. How are they going to pay the mortgage? How's, you know, kids don't know if they've got places in universities and when are they taking exams? I mean, sort of take a broader perspective a little, a little bit, I think, is, is very helpful with expectations. You know, you, we often we do this thing with relationships where we look at Instagram, we look at movies and we look at, you know, it's like, oh, they've weathered all these storms and, you know, they still managed to make a million a year and, you know, have this gorgeous family and everybody's beautiful and they eat dinner together every night and they have dinner together on Sunday and movie night. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, life's messy. And anybody who, who tries to tell you that it isn't, it is not telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been through you know, many different types of relationships. I was in a 23 year marriage, which was happy, but for some reason I didn't feel quite 100% fulfilled in that because I knew that you know you were talking about the flight or fight or freeze reaction mm. to things I knew I was you know from a previous um awful ex traumatic experience that I had before I met my husband was mm. still protecting my heart if you like yeah. <laughs> in that relationship I didn't realize I was hanging on to that um and you know protecting my heart and therefore because my heart wasn't open to him I wasn't feeling his heart open to me and therefore I was contributing to that feeling of of not feeling unfulfilled mm. or, or fulfilled I should say in that relationship mm, yeah yeah I know yeah. and then yeah uh, so you know unfortunately because I didn't have the awareness when I was in that relationship to change things um I ended it because I just felt like you know this this isn't what I want for the rest of my life to yeah. feel like this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it is. I think it's, you know, awareness is a bit of a buzzword at the moment, isn't it? But it is just that it's being sort of aware of your, yourself in a relationship, aware of what you're bringing to the relationship, aware of what you're not getting from the relationship. And oftentimes you want to pretend that everything's fine or it'll work itself out or he'll figure it out or she'll figure it out. And I think what we don't sort of maybe show 
younger people in in you know beginning relationships is that is that you really you really have to talk to each other <laughs> you really have to be honest you really have to be um you know it's not about being nice all the time it's about this isn't working how can we figure this out how can we make this better because you do find i think too that you have this sort of oneness people are like well now we're one we're one unit we're married we're i think that's i mean personally for me it doesn't work in a relationship i very much am me and he is very much him yes we have our own friends we have our own hobbies our own lives we have still have kids we still have all these kind of things you know take a holiday a year by yourself with your friends or you know I don't have to check constantly where he is or where if he's, you know, or he doesn't have to check with me. Um, I think it's, it's, it's helping knowing, that, yeah, it's, but it's, it's knowing that it's okay because so yeah. many girls are like, where's your boyfriend? I saw the Instagram picture. He was tagged in a picture with somebody, <laughs> you yeah. know, you're, you're building this. And if you start that at kind of, you know, when you first start being interested in having relationships, you know, 12, 13, 14, if that starts then, you know, you're not building this idea that, that you are just two people, you know, life, I suppose, if you think of it as like a cake, I think a lot of things like cake is <laughs> like, you know, you, you have to have built into your own life, you know, something that gives you fulfillment, you know, connection compassion for things an interest a contentment that comes from fulfilling from doing something with your life um and the relationship that you have then the the intimate relationship that you have should be the icing on the cake it should be something that is very precious to you and and you look after and you nurture but it isn't the whole cake it isn't that if you just have this one person you are then better or you know you're kind of tick that box like yes i've done that i th i think what people do tend to find in sort of long term relationships is just that either that they say well i'm still i'm still depressed i'm still unhappy i still don't feel fulfilled i've never gone on a you know i've never backpacked around australia i've never but you being in this relationship should not have stopped you doing any of those things if anything when you're with somebody in a relationship and you know and you have good communication, you know what they need and you know what makes them happy, you encourage. Yeah, absolutely. Encourage. I you know, and I, I, I actually use the cake analogy funnily enough myself, you know, and just say okay. your your partner should be just, well, I, I call, rather than the icing, I say he's the cherry on the top of the cake. Yeah, lovely. No, exactly. I just don't like cherries, so I don't say. <laughs> <laughs> so like you say, you know, you, you have your own fulfilled life that you take responsibility for and you know what makes you happy and you have your own hobbies and interests and he has his and, you know, when you come together, you know, he's the, the cherry on the already great cake of life that you've Yeah, created. I mean, yeah, and and, you know, being realistic, I suppose, is, is a big thing. I, I think instead of realistic, I tend to call it perspective, but having a, a, a perspective of your life, you know, a perspective of what's, I suppose, what's realistic and, and what's possible, you know, like at the moment, it's unrealistic that my family and I are going on a holiday anywhere in the next, I would say, until Christmas, probably, yeah. you know. And sort of, sort of, so managing what we need in this. So it is, you know, 
my youngest is out of school now she's got a levels and so she's working the other one is busy doing something else so it's managing this expectation for me i think a lot of us have this you know well this is what i want in the summer this is what a family does in the summer so we all have to sort of stick to that and what i find is that you being flexible having good perspective having just an ability to sit down. I suppose this is where meditation comes in, is just having a, a practice every day that kind of slows me down. I feel like I can connect in with what's going on with me for the day. What, what am I bringing to the day? Is today gonna to be one of those days where I just need to take it easy and take it as it comes? Or is today one of those days where I'm gonna be able to be in flow, if you like, and get through a lot of different things? and meditation really helps me with that so then when i meet my husband at the end of the day or my kids i can meet them i can be present i can meet them where they are so instead of bringing all my baggage for oh i popped the tire i didn't pay that bill the bathroom's leaking and then when my son comes in and drops his football boots on the floor and says i hate this dinner i didn't want this anyway <laughs> <laughs> you know meeting him not meeting him with well how dare you you don't know what's happened to me today da -da 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 -da. just taking a sec to say yeah well you know that is for dinner but if you want to make something else you know knock yourself out there's the fridge you're a big boy so i think it's it's <laughs> you know it's it's just not we tend to go down so many rabbit holes and we tend to follow so many storylines, you know, especially when we have unrealistic expectations. It's like, well, that's my husband. That's how he is. Mm. May not be, but it's the story you created. So just to finally wrap up, Sarah, you know, for our audience members that aren't familiar with what is meditation and what, what does meditation look like? And if I wanted to, you know, implement this as a practice mm. in my life, what would be your sort of short, simple explanation for, for describing that? Uh, I say to everybody, I mean, meditation is checking in with yourself. It's taking a few minutes. It only has to be five or 10 minutes of your day. It's just taking time out to stop, to pause, to take a few deep breaths, see what you can feel in your body. You know, for me, it's always my jaws tense or I'm lifting my left shoulder or I'm clenching my toes you know just sort of scan your body check in with what you're feeling in your body and then whatever feelings arise so you may be realizing that you feel very tense and angry and anxious or whatever whatever is present so meditation for me is just taking the time to stop check in with your body check in with your emotions and just be able to be with them for a few minutes give them a little bit of space know really where you are know really what you're feeling and what you need to proceed so sometimes you can proceed with whatever you were going to do you were going to go to the shop you were going to go to work you were going to go into that next meeting but i think it is just really i find the simplest way to describe meditation is learning to be aware of yourself yeah <laughs> just noticing and observing yourself you know like you say yeah. and, and what's happening within your body where you're feeling certain aches or pains or clenches or feelings no because you know before i was told i had you know and i've got two degrees in psychology before i was told you know this is a panic attack or this is an anxiety attack i had 
broken two teeth. You know, I, I, anybody else coming to see me and I would, you know, they're like, well, there's a lot of headaches and, and I'm very, you know, tense, my back hurts, I've broken two teeth. I'd be like, hmm, sounds like you're very anxious and stressed. For some reason, it, I was, I had an ability to completely cut off my brain, my sort of doing, mm. you know, let's just do this. Let's get through the day, get the kids to school, get to work, get home, get the dinner, get the washing. I, I had such an ability to do that, that I forgot how to be in my own body. And the result was, you know, lots of stress, lots of broken teeth, lots of yeah. <laughs> headaches. And I think, yeah, if, if anything, meditation can, can just tune you back in to how you're feeling and what you need. And uh, yeah, it does. It just, it's built a huge resilience in me. It's built a huge, you know, I can take a few minutes before I go into meetings or into things and just really check in on myself, really settle myself down, really slow the, the speeding thoughts and the, or rumination about things and just be in the moment for what's what's next yeah i, I tend to liken it you know to the, the doing is very much in the head do 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 it's like you say a checklist yeah. of things that you need to crack on with and action focus whereas the being is just you know stop stay still yeah. and just you know observe it's, it's hard though it does take yeah. practice people say to me you know oh yeah it took me doing it sort of twice a day, oh, close to six or seven months before I was like, oh, yeah, I'm starting to benefit from this. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for, for people, definitely, it's, it's, it's not a, you know, if you meditate on Friday, on Saturday, you're not stressed. <laughs> no, I think it's more of an intuitive heart connection rather than a head connection state of being, though, isn't it? It's, it's definitely... Um, yeah, it's definitely, it, it encompasses a lot of things. I mean, meditation is, yeah, it encompasses so, so many things. And as you meditate, different things, you know, pop up. So, yeah. Mm. So on that note then, Sarah, if the audience members want to connect with you, what, what's your best contact address or information? Yeah, thank you. My website is www.thedaily.com meditationlab.com and my email is on there but my email is s sanchez copley at gmail.com they're all lower case letters excellent all right well thank you so much for sharing your insights around the unrealistic expectations that we have in our relationships and also you know, describing so well, you know, in good, easy, simple terms, you know, what your experiences of how you can explain about meditation, because I'm sure there's some listeners that have not put this into practice or have heard the benefits of it or, or even know what, what meditation is. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. Yeah. Meditation is for everybody. <laughs> it is. I can vouch for that. Yeah. Massively. So it just leaves me to wrap up now to say, True love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, folks, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined, or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn, or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts 
www.ashentwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.